extend greetings in Christ's name this morning. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, to fellowship with others, and uh, to already have experienced blessings in, in looking into God's Word. You've already noticed this morning that things have kind of turned around backwards. Uh, this morning I would have just loved to have made announcements and let Josh finish up. But it uh, might be good to explain a little bit what's going on. Most of you knew probably that Jonathan Good was scheduled to be here this morning to share in the message. Uh, he contacted me some weeks ago and, and asked if I would fill in for him this morning. Uh, and I kind of drug my feet. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with him. It was by email. Uh, but I was thinking pretty strong uh, about something that his, actually his father had coined some years ago. His father coined a phrase that I'm just a deacon. And, and that's what I was thinking. Uh, so I didn't give him a lot of hope. After I had responded, uh, I felt kind of bad about it because I knew that that uh, his mother-in-law is not doing very well health-wise. Some of you know that Edith Martin has cancer. Uh, and so then I thought about what's right at Christmas time. They probably want to be together as a family. Uh, but I just kind of left it. Well, I got another email from him, and he he uh, said, well, it's okay. He said he just thought maybe he'd try to get some help, that he was scheduled to preach six Sundays in a row. And... Three of those Sundays were going to be away from home. Well, I knew then what I needed to do. So I responded back and told him that uh, somehow this Sunday would be taken care of. He didn't have to worry about it. Well, it is kind of a unique uh, Sunday. We've came through the time of Christmas, and on the horizon is the new year. And so which do you talk about? And so this morning I've chosen to talk about both. I've given it a simple title to this message, Christ Came and the New Year. I'd like, first of all, this morning to... Look at the coming of Christ through the eyes of Simeon. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Now, those of you that were here Wednesday evening, uh, Brother Elvin read the Christmas story from Luke 2, and he stopped at verse 24. This morning I'd like to start at verse 25. And read through verse 32. This is a story of the account of Simeon in the temple who actually uh, saw Jesus, I believe held him, and some of the words that he shared that I think give us a little insight upon Christ. Luke 2, chapter, uh, Luke 2 verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. He says here in verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. As we're thinking now about Christ and his coming, why did he come? 
He came to give salvation. And it says in verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Christ came to give salvation to all people, not just certain ones, but to all people. Verse 32, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Christ came to give light. We studied about that, I believe, in last Sunday's lesson, uh, how Christ was, it said it was, in him was life, and, and the light was the light, and the life was the light of men. Christ came to give us light, to help us to see where we could not see. And then he goes on to say that he was also the glory of thy people Israel. And I don't know what all he had in mind here when he when he said this, but as I thought of that, uh, just one thought came to mind, and that was. You know, Israel, uh, it was hard for them to understand and to grasp Christ and why he came. They were looking for maybe something a little different. But, you know, the real, the real Jew, the real uh, child of, of Israel, Christ's coming was really a completion. You know, he came and gave his life and was the final sacrifice and so to the Jew, if they really looked at it right, it could have been a real completion or finished work as they understood the Old Testament and, and understood the prophecies that we heard about this morning already. Uh, it was a completion for them. And so he was a light to the Gentiles and the glory of his people. Second Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ." Reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. As Christ came and brought that salvation, God was in Christ bringing mankind back to him. Reconciling people back to him. Well, who is this Christ and what does he, what is he to you and to me today? I'd like now to look, go to the book of John and just go through the book of John and look at some of the things that John says about Christ. One interesting note here in the first chapter, uh, verse 34, John 1, 34. This was at the baptism of Christ. If you'd go back to Matthew, you'd read there where Christ was baptized by John. <coughs> This was at that time, and John says here, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. So John bore record that Christ was truly the Son of God. He had come from God. He was his Son. Now back up to verse 12 in chapter 1. It says here, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That verse is a blessing because Christ was the son of God. And yet you and me can also be sons of God. We can be God's children if we receive him, it says, and believe him. We can likewise be a part of God's family and it uses the same term there be sons of God we can identify with Christ and become a part of that family as we receive and believe in that Christ that came now I'd like to just walk through this book and look at some of the things that John says about Christ and we've already looked at one this morning in our Sunday school class as we talk about talked about him being the light but John is one book that gives a lot of insight as to who Christ really was. Chapter 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Here Jesus is the bread of life. 
just like we talked about today and how we know we need water. And Christ was that living water. Here it talks about him being the bread of life. Bread is a uh, staple food, you might say, that we use so much and we need. Christ is the bread of life. We need Christ in order to live spiritually. Chapter 9, verse 5. Christ said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We know what light does. We know how we need light. When there's darkness, we need to get around. We need light. It takes care of our problem. Jesus is the light for our spiritual darkness. He's the light that we need in order to give us direction, help us to walk our walk of life. He is that light that we need. Chapter 10, verses 7 and 9. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. He is the way for us to get to heaven. We know what a door is used for. It's an entrance. It's a way to get in. Jesus is that door for us that we can enter in. And be a part of his family and enter in to go to heaven. Chapter 10, also uh, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And again in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Christ is the good shepherd. We know about Psalms 23. David wrote that psalm talking about God being our shepherd. Uh, God is concerned about his sheep. David said that the Lord is his shepherd. And here it says Christ saying that I am the good shepherd. So this morning is Christ your shepherd. Is he the one that is leading you? You know, we are sheep. We are like sheep and we need a shepherd. And Christ is that shepherd. Are we allowing him to lead us and direct us in life? Chapter 11 and verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Here Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we could go to many scriptures on this one, but we know that Christ came, he lived, he died, he gave his life, and then he arose. He was resurrected. And we have scripture that tell us all about that and and tell us that because he arose, he broke the, the bands, the bonds of death, gave indication that there can be life After death in Christ, we can arise and be resurrected to a life with God later. Because of Christ's resurrection, he that believeth in me, it says, though he he were dead, yet shall he live. We We can come forth from our sins and be risen in new life and also at the end of life. It gives us indication that we too will rise like Christ did. Christ is the resurrection and the life. Chapter 13. And verse 13. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. Here was a passage uh, at the time of the feet washing service. He tells his disciples, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. 
So Christ is our master and our Lord. He's our teacher. He's our leader. He's the one that we want to follow as sheep. We need someone to follow. And so he's our teacher and he's our Lord. Chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe we just sung about that. What else do we need? He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We have what we need in Christ. And chapter 15, and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. We know this chapter, how it talks about Christ being the vine. We are the branches. And so if he is the vine, we need to be connected into him in order to have life. So Jesus is that true vine in, in which we can draw life and health in a spiritual way. Now I'd like to zero in just a little bit more on why Jesus actually did come. Go back to the first, well, the second chapter of John. Again, staying in John for this. John chapter 2 and verse 4. This was the time of the marriage in Canaan, I believe. Cana of Galilee. Uh, you remember the story, they uh, ran out of wine, and Jesus' mother said, well, Jesus, you know, they need wine. You can probably help here. Somehow she knew that that uh, he was one that maybe could help in this situation. And so in verse 4, Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. I believe Jesus was saying here that, you know, I, I didn't just come to do miracles. I didn't just come to, uh, you know, to reach out and, and heal and touch and cause all these wonderful things to happen. There's more to it than that. And so he said, my, mine hour is not yet come. Let's continue that thought as we look at some other scriptures. Chapter 7. Verse 28, 28 and 29, John seven twenty-eight. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. He says here a statement that is a doctrinal statement that we'll see a little later also. But that is he tells them where he came from. He said, that, you know, I know you and you know me. I, I, I'm not of myself, but he that sent me is true whom ye know not. But I know him for I am from him and he has sent me. Christ came from God. God sent him. And then verse 30, then... After they heard that, they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. Still, that same phrase, his hour was not yet come. So why did he come? Now go to chapter 12, verse 23. Now, this is getting close to the time of the Passover. And Jesus answered, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Jesus begins to reveal to his disciples that the reason he came is getting closer. He now says, The hour is come. Earlier he had said, My, my time is not here. Now he says, The hour is come. That the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Jesus begins to reveal to his disciples the real reason that he came. He came to give his life. They did not fully understand that, even though he had told them. They did not fully understand that, but he's beginning to tell them, for this cause came I unto this hour. Now go to chapter 13, the first verse. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Again, he's telling them, or he knew, it says, that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world. Christ knew that the reason he came was getting closer. The time of his crucifixion, the time of his departure from the earth was getting close. Let's go to chapter 17. And I'd like to read the first five verses here. This is... Christ's prayer, chapter 17, the first five verses. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Again, he says, his hour is come. The reason that Christ came is about to be foretold is about to take place verse 2 thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him here is the real reason that Christ came he came to give eternal life and verse 3 if you need a reason for the season I think it's right here Verse 3, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Christ was sent from God to this earth so that we can have eternal life. Again, that's the reason for the season. And then he says he's finished the work. He's praying to the Father, I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And verse 5 again gives us that doctrinal teaching that Christ was with God before time. He said, I was with thee before the world was. Christ was with God in eternity past. He will be with him in eternity to come. This is something that We should not forget. Christ always was, but he left the glories of heaven. He came to this earth so that you and I could have eternal life. May the Lord be praised for that gift that he gave to mankind. And it's it's up to us to accept that. That's, That's the reason he came. May we... Accept that into our heart and life and never forget it and realize that we can have eternal life as we accept that gift into our own hearts and lives. All right, let's shift gears now a little bit and think about the new year. As we've looked at at Christ and, and why he came and the various things that John had to say about Christ, Then the question comes, then how then 
shall I live, especially as we think of a new year. 2016 is upon us. How shall I live in this coming year? I'd like to look briefly at seven goals for 2016. Christ said in Revelation 22:13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And we just mentioned that Christ was from the beginning, he will be in the end. He always was and he always will be. And so as we think of that, the number one goal that I have, and these are not necessarily in any order, but the first goal is that we need to determine to live for him. If he, if he is the ultimate one, he always was, always will be, then we need to determine to live for him. You see, when all else is gone, he will still be there. The scripture says, I believe it's in Hebrews 9, uh, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. And so someday when all will be over, everything will be gone, we'll be facing Christ and God. And so we need to determine to live for him. Eternal life is forever living. We want to be in good standing with the God of eternity. I was blessed some time ago, making it a little more practical. Uh, a, la- a lady, not from this area, uh, heard a little story about her life. and She uh, was in one of our churches and uh, as she grew older, she wasn't married. And a man in her church, he, uh, he thought that maybe he could help arrange a few things. And so his son was not in the church. Uh, and he made strong hints that maybe this girl and, this, and his son could get together. Uh, and he... Hinted that a number of times, and and anyway, the testimony I heard later was that uh, she said that she had no interest, that she was de- determined in her heart and mind, she was determined to, to stay with the church and stay with her God. And she saw that as a... Uh, in other words, the fellow was not in the church, and she saw that it is a possibility of leading her astray. And so she determined in her heart, you know, I have no interest. Uh, she was determined that she would not leave her church and her God. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a practical way that we can look at it. You know, are we, are we determined in our heart and mind, especially young people, as you're coming on? Are you determined in your heart that you're going to, Serve the Lord, regardless of what comes your way or what offers you might have. Are you determined you're going to serve the Lord in the church? Uh, May that be a goal that we have in 2016. Maybe a little side note. You know, it's a blessing to have a plural ministry we're all different some stand up here and don't have any trouble at all others probably have weak knees and some use a fan and I blow my nose so <laughs> just relax and, and continue to listen <clears throat> alright a second goal for 2016 is we need to decide to seek first the kingdom of God Decide to seek first the kingdom of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And you know this passage. He's talking earlier about how we can we cannot serve two masters. He talks about don't take thought for your life or what you shall eat or drink in verse 25 or yet for your body. Verse 31, take, therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. And we need to decide to do that. It doesn't just happen. It's saying here that we're not to worry about the future. That God will take care of us. We are to seek first in our decisions, our plans. Seek first the kingdom of God. What would God want us to do? And if we do that, If we decide to do that, a lot of the other things fall into place. We don't have to worry a lot about what's going to happen uh, if we seek first the will of God. Number three, we need to discipline ourselves to be filled with Christ. Discipline ourselves to be filled with Christ. Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And as I looked at that verse, you know, it's good to look at other verses around it. A few verses before that, it talks about that we should be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, verse 16. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And so here are several things that we need to be doing if we want to be filled with the fullness of God. And that is that we're strengthening our inner man and that Christ is dwelling in our hearts. That's what we need to be doing If we want to be filled with Christ. And again, we need to discipline ourselves to do this. What are we allowing in our life? What are we feeding on? What are we filling our lives with? Are we able to be still before God and allow Him to fill our hearts and our lives on a daily basis? And this is in the line of prayer and Bible study, meditating. Are we taking time to do that? That's the only way we will be filled with the fullness of Christ. Someone has said there should be no Facebook unless you've had God's book. I think you get the point there. You know, it's so easy to turn something on or listen to something and do our own little thing when we haven't had time, we haven't taken the time to spend time with the Lord. So we need to discipline ourselves to be filled. Number four, we need to discern the fact that God does not change. Discern the fact that God does not change. Now, I chose that word discern because one of the meanings of that word is to perceive or to recognize. And so we do need to discern the fact that God does not change. Malachi 3 and verse 6 says here, For I am the Lord, I, <clears throat> I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob... Are not consumed. 
I am the Lord, I change not. And the next verse is interesting to me. It says, even from the days of your fathers, you are going away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherewith shall we return? God says, I'm the Lord, I change not. And the next verse says that you've, you've been going away from my ordinances. That was Old Testament words. It's interesting that in talking about him not changing, he says that, that my people have left the ordinances that I gave. Let's go to the New Testament, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Now we have New Testament wording of something very similar. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And then the very next verse says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. And so a similar thought here, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but be careful that you don't get involved in some strange doctrine or teaching. And so the thought here is, is we need to discern the fact that God does not change. And, and I'm, we're talking about his principles. It talked in the Old Testament there about ordinances here, it's talking about doctrines, but his principles do not change. And that's something we need to think about in the age that, that we're living in. We think about things like modesty and divorce and remarriage and sin and homosexuality and non-resistance. The Lord's day observance. All these things. God hasn't changed. And yet we live in a world <coughs> that is constantly changing in the way that they live, the way that they believe. And I don't think 2016 will be any different. I just heard recently a professional counselor, I don't know his his, uh, exact title, but he said this. He said, um, it's not a disorder if you feel comfortable. And that pretty well describes the society that we live in. But the truth is that God has not changed. And we need to grasp that thought and and understand that. And as we live in the age that we're living in, so much change around us, uh, all kinds of things, the things I just mentioned and fashions, fads, are constantly changing. And we need to make sure that we're not following that crowd. We're not following the God of this world, but that we understand that God's principles and doctrines and ordinances have not changed. And we need to follow his word. <clears throat> Number five, we need to discover that we can do what God wants us to do. We need to discover that we can do what God wants us to do. Philippians chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul said here, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. As we face a new year, we don't know what the future holds. But he says here that he could do all things through Christ. Because Christ is the one that gives us our strength. And so whatever we face, we can do it with the help of Christ. And we've had examples right here in our own congregation of those that have went through difficult times and yet their 
faithfully serving the Lord. And also here, if you back up a few verses, verse 9, he says here, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Sometimes we look at the things of God or the will of God and we just struggle. You know, it's just hard. I don't know if I can do that. Um, But as I read that verse 9, Paul's just simply saying, the things that you've learned, the things that you've received, the things that you've heard and seen, just do them. When I read that verse, I thought of, uh, you've probably heard this, but one of the things that Elizabeth Elliot uh, promoted so much in in her teachings and all, uh, one of her pat sayings, you might say, was she would say, if you're struggling with God's will, whatever, she would say, just do the next thing. Just do the next thing. You know, sometimes we see that big picture and we say, how can I do it? But she would always say, just do the next thing. Whatever whatever the next thing is, it might be prayer, it might be reading your Bible. Uh, it, it might just be a little step, but, but I think that's good advice. Just do the next thing and keep doing that. And with God's help, you can do it. Number six is we need to develop a life of contentment. We're here in Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Verse 12 goes along with it. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. We need to develop a life of contentment. We're living in a, in a world today of uh, fast things and whatever you want, just, just get it. You know, just meet your needs, whatever. But I think God would call us to a life of contentment. And it's something that that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that we need to develop. And that is to be content with what God has given us, content with our lot in life. Just just a, a life of contentment. I think that's something we need to develop in our lives. And the last one, number seven, is we need to desire to be ready for Christ's return. We need to desire to be ready for Christ's return. Let's turn to Second Peter 3. Second Peter 3 and verse 8. eight I'd like to read verses 8 through 14. See, if we have a desire... To be ready for Christ's return, it will affect our whole life. Second Peter 3, 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye 
Look for such things. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. God wants us to be ready. Verse 9. He said he's, he's not willing that any should perish. He wants us all to be ready for the coming of Christ. And it will come possibly when we don't even think about it. Verse 10. If, if, uh, if you've ever experienced a thief, you know what it's like. You didn't expect it. And all of a sudden it was there and happened and it was over and you were not prepared. That can be how it can be at the coming of Christ if we're not ready. In verse 11, seeing that you know these things, it says, what manner of persons ought you to be? And so how shall we live in 2016? If we know these things, what kind of life should we be living? Verse 12, we should be looking for and hastening unto the day of the Lord. Verse 14, we need to uh, be ready. We need to be, it says, in peace. Be found him without, uh, be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And verse 14, we can also get from this verse that all the things that I've mentioned, these seven goals, it all boils down to diligence. Verse 14, be diligent that you may be found of him in these ways. And so whatever happens this year, this coming year, may we be ready to meet our God regardless of whether he comes back or whether we meet our maker, may we be at peace with no spots and no blame. Some of us, maybe they're a little older, remember that back in the year 2000, remember the big thing about Y2K, and a lot of people thought that the year 2000, Christ would come back. And uh, a lot of people got right with the Lord. They made their, their wrongs right and, and, and just straightened their lives up, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But a lot of the people that did that today are not living for the Lord. And I think at this time of the year, a lot of people think about the new year. They think about, you know, this, this year's about over. The new year's getting ready to start. Maybe the Lord will come back, and, and I need to be ready. And, and a lot of people kind of make New Year's resolutions. They straighten their life up, but sometimes it doesn't last. And, and this verse says we need to be diligent. And we all, we all have our struggles. We're, we're all human. And these things that I mentioned are not going to just happen unless we're diligent about making them happen. As I thought about that, I thought about uh, when we were in Belize. Uh, I don't think it was the year 2000, but I think it was a year or two after that we were there. But it was it was this time of the year, about the week ending week of December, there at the shop. One uh, a local man came there one day and he said, "I, I need to talk to you." And I, I said, "Okay, let's let's talk." And uh, he said, well, I have something out here in, in my vehicle, and I need to bring it back. And he went and brought a box and set it on the shop table. And here that box was full of tools. And uh, some of them I recognized, some of them I didn't. But, but he said, all these tools belong to the shop here. He said, uh, you know, sometimes I would come and I'd borrow, I'd say, I need to borrow a socket set or adjustable wrench I'm working on a vehicle at home and so we had lend it to him well it never came back or he said I would be here and you were working on my vehicle and uh, while you went to the back to to get apart I saw a nice tape measure and I just stuck it in my pocket and 
I mean, I was surprised. It was a whole box of tools that had come from the shop. And he said, you know, New Year's is coming. And he said, I, I just feel like the Lord might come back and I just need to get my life in order. And he said, I was convicted about all these tools. And he said, I wanted to bring them back. I said, well, thank you. And I told him I really appreciated it and he's doing the right thing. Uh, getting, it, getting his life in order in case the Lord would come back. But the rest of that story is, 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 to my knowledge, that man's not living for the Lord today. It's because he's not diligent in doing the things that we've looked at. And so my challenge is that as we face this new year, uh, let's not just make some resolutions and then, and then get all emotional about getting right with God. Let, let it be something that carries us through every day, every day of the year, not just get ready quick and then if he doesn't come back uh, January 1, you know, he could come back this afternoon. Am I ready? And let that be a challenge for us each and every day, all of our life, not just a one-time thing. So can we say this morning with, the, with John, the writer in Revelation, even so, Lord Jesus, come. That's what he said. I trust that can be on our hearts and lips. And so in closing, I'd like to leave us with uh, verses 17 and 18 here in, in 2 Peter 3. This is my desire for us here today as we end this year and start the new year. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This is a challenge for us. We need to beware. Any of us sitting here today could be led astray. We could fall from our own steadfastness. But he says, rather, we need to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we need to be daily growing in the knowledge of the Christ, the Savior that was sent to us from, from God. The one that was sent to us, we looked at that already. And verse 14 here says, we need to be found of him. May that be our challenge as we end this year, as we think about Christ coming. Let's grow in his knowledge and allow the Christ that God sent give us eternal life and that we can ever experience that on a daily basis. May the Lord bless us as we live to that end. Let's have a song.